Welcome to the In the Bag podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Slaughter from sunny Houston, Texas. And with me, as always, is Jazzy, James Haldeman. How you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I'm a little disappointed I'm not going to be at uh, Harding Park for the next five days. But, you know, we make do with what we can. I'm just happy to, to get in the swing of major season. Yeah, absolutely. And for this special first major of the year, we have a special guest from Chicago, Illinois, Andrew Hatch. How are you, buddy? What's going on, y'all? Uh, happy to be here. Happy to uh, spend some money. <laughs> Not make it, just spend it. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well. exactly, exactly. So last weekend was an interesting tournament. I, I think it's one of the first times I can remember where none of the final four in the last two pairings were even close to winning the tournament. <laughs> How does that even yeah, happen? That was, that was pretty crazy. That's what you get when you have, like, Brendan Todd and... Unfortunately, I mean, like, I love Ricky, but he's just not been that great outside of the first three days of the this WGC. That's what you get when you have those two guys in the final group. It just looks really rough. An absolute letdown. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Hatch, Ricky Fowler, number one fan here. Uh, yeah, that was rough to watch. Especially, like, you know... I wanted him to win. I like Ricky a lot, and I hate, I've hated watching him struggle over the past, you know, since the return and even going into it. So I, I was rooting for him pretty hard, so it was a big letdown. He, he's been working with a new swing coach, and, I mean, you can tell his game is getting better and a little bit more consistent, but, man, I mean, that was just classic Ricky on Sunday, just, you know, close to the lead and cannot close. He started out hot, too, with two out of three. He birdied two out of three, and then it just kind of completely fell off the cliff from there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I think that can happen whenever you have a new swing. If you're, I mean, even though you're doing well, it's like there's still something in your mind that you don't completely trust it yet. And that kind of seems like what happened to me uh, whenever the, the lights were shining bright. You know, we had a lot of guys really go out and shoot low to get them, to vault themselves up the board in addition to guys falling back. I mean, Berger was on fire. Tom Lewis was literally incinerating the course. Phil Mickelson, you know, came up. Brooks played solid as well as Jason Day and Xander. So, I mean, there was a lot of guys that shot really low to get into the contention. So it was kind of a, it was an odd uh, convolute of events that happened last weekend that you just don't normally see. I feel like JT kind of earned the uh, the win coming from so far back after, you know, being blowing a 54-hole lead uh, to Colin Morikawa so recently after being a guy that is kind of known for closing out tournaments at a, at a pretty high level. I respect his move of going with the U.S. Open 63 outfit uh, as his uh-huh. as his closing. I, I feel like even if it was just mental, it, it helped him just get in that mindset. I just want to point out that the, I mean, we have Hatch here because it's a major, and that's what he wants to do. We've been trying to get him to come on for a major, <laughs> but he's here because he's going to provide us with better fashion analysis than, Absolutely. Than, than we usually get. So this is big. This is big for the podcast. We're taking a step up this week. I have some takes. <laughs> yeah, so we'll get into our uh, the club up, club down section. I guess I'll start first. I'll go a little off, more off the beaten path than some of the other ones. But uh, uh, Jason Day, another top 10 finish. And we're not doing it with just the putter. He gained 5.78 strokes on ball striking, only 1.4 around the greens. So I think that bodes pretty well. He can definitely putt better. Uh, I know he's a lot better on all other services that aren't Bermuda, so I expect him to putt better this weekend. Ryan Palmer gained 7.12 uh, strokes on the, in the ball striking department, continues to put together another great year. 
odd that we didn't see him jump up in price this weekend a little bit. I mean, it went up $200, but I kind of expected he would be higher. And then DJ and Brooks completely turning around from last weekend, and Brooks gains nine strokes ball striking and loses three strokes with the putter. So, I mean, you have to expect that he's going to turn that around at some point. Uh, and then DJ himself gained uh, four strokes on the on the ball striking. Yeah, I have Jason written down here as well. It's his third straight top 10. He hasn't done that since 2016. I think his ball striking looks crispier than, than it has in a, in a really long time. And like you said, I think he's he's only going to go up with the putter. Uh, he's not too far removed from back-to-back years leading the tour in strokes game putting. So I really like the way Jason's playing. And he's another guy whose price didn't get that much higher, even with a re- another really, really solid performance. I'll go off the beaten path for one here. Uh, Richie Warinski still hasn't missed a cut since we've come back. I mean, he, he played in the Barracuda last week and, and ended up winning it. So he you know, had been playing solid, You know, got the top tie for third finish uh, at the 3M, and then follows that up by uh, holding out on 16 for plus five points in the modified uh, Stableford scoring system they play at Barracuda, and then birdieing. 18 to chase down Troy Merritt, so that was really awesome. You mentioned him once already, uh, Daniel Berger, only has one finish outside the top 10 since the waste management, and that was a miscut at the Memorial because he just completely cracked the bed on the 18th hole on Friday. I think this is a a tournament that's really going to fit him, the PGA Championship, of course, that really fits him because he's just been, it's been a stripe show since we've come back for Berger, and then the, the most obvious one, you know, Justin Thomas, any any tournament he's played this year where he's made the cut, he's finished in the top 20, and he's only missed two cuts this year, I think. It, it feels like his event to lose at this point. I think he's the most complete and consistent golfer in the world right now. What about you, Hatch? Uh, I, I want to give a shout-out as well to, to Jason Day. You know, I was a little concerned about him when he, he broke off from Colin Swatton, but it seems like the change has been good for him. He's he's really returned to form, and if the back can hold up, he's. I mean, I still think he's one of the best ball strikers in the game. JT as well, um, obvious candidate. We kind of mentioned it earlier that the collapse at Muirfield was just rough for him. There's no shame in losing to a guy like Colin Markow, but there is a shame when you blow a, a three-shot lead with three holes to go. So it was good to see him. Get, see, good to see him get his confidence back and his putting which has always been kind of a hit or miss for JT was great last week um, I think over the last two rounds I saw that he had like eight or nine one putts so that I mean you know anytime you can do that it's going to be big last one just again I want to shout out Phil at age 50 just somehow still competing and still being incredible he is he is must watch TV his his flop shot in the last round where he was like 80 yards away and hit a 300 yard shot was just incredible so special shout out to Phil yeah Phil's always out to entertain now it's like his I think that's his number one goal when he steps on a golf course now if he, if he knows he doesn't have it to win it he's there to entertain everybody I mean the glasses themselves could I mean I could write a blog just about the the sunglasses Strong, consistently strong choices coming from Phil recently. <laughs> uh, and then in the club down section, I have Rory, who just cannot seem to figure out his approach shots. He's lost, he lost two more strokes on approach last weekend, and in addition, two strokes putting. Uh, he looked quite lost on the greens. I think I texted you a couple times, <laughs> James, about it. It was no comment. It was pretty brutal. And then Hovland, he lost every strokes everywhere, but strokes gained approach. In addition to that, he lost almost five strokes putting. Um, Terrell Hatton, who I absolutely loved going into the weekend, lost strokes in every category. And then Tony Finau lost seven strokes on approach last weekend. Yeah, so I, I think for, for me, I as much as it pains me, 
Uh, I have to agree with you on Rory. He's just been a different guy since we've come back. Going into the break, I don't think he finished outside the top 10 in any tournament he had entered. And now, since we've been back, his best finish is a, a T11. So nothing really looks in sync with him except for his off the tee game which has been you know phenomenal but uh, we that that's what we expect as the constant from rory his putting's been bad he's lost strokes two out of the five tournaments since he's come back with the irons and around the green which both places he's usually really really solid to superb so i, I i'm worried about rory going into this weekend but it's also suppressed his price a little bit maybe suppressed ownership so we'll see my other guy is, is bryson miscut followed up by you know a 30th at the wgc they both featured some kind of embarrassing moments for him as well, and I don't know that he's mentally as strong a golfer as the rest of the people, so I'm interested to see if that carries over because ants are very scary. <laughs> um, and, and I think one of the places you're going to have to be really strong this week is, is in your approach game, and he's lost strokes ball striking in, in both of the last two tournaments because he's lost six and seven strokes with his irons and you just you aren't going to be able to do that this week and, and compete so I, i'm clubbing bryson down this week we mentioned ricky earlier just just a collapse on sunday he has been one of the better players for the last couple of years with his wedges and irons but on sunday he was i think bottom third in the field in proximity to the hole um which is just rough for him his game relies on on keeping it close to the hole so it was a really tough tough day for him if he can bring it back i like him this upcoming week but i'm just not sure where his confidence is at yeah. and to go, uh, another to go club that hatch he lost he lost four strokes in total on uh, jesus yeah, I mean, that's just, that's huge. The other club down I want to mention is Michael Thompson. He, he had a great showing, obviously, won the 3M. He is consistently ranked in the top 20 in driving accuracy, and on in this last week, he could not find a fair way to save his life. Last one, just because I think it's funny, DJ. Apparently, he messed up his facial hair shaving, and he is now completely clean-shaven, and it is just not a good look for him. Um, I barely recognized him, and I gotta say, as soon as he can grow the facial hair back, I'll start supporting him again. I, lo- I love it. I love it. This is what I didn't know before the this weekend. Yeah, he did look ridiculous, though. You're right. <laughs> so we're out in uh, San Francisco this weekend, your backyard, James, for uh, t- at uh, TPC Harding. What is the course like? How's it going to play? What's the weather? Yeah, we finally get into to major time, first one of the year, uh, just across the Bay Bridge in San Francisco. Unfortunately, I don't get to attend the Bay Area major this year like I did last year, but... Um, I'm definitely excited to get to, to show off the, the local Muni. Uh, it's a beautiful on, on the edge of Lake Merced. Got to play it in November. It was an absolute blast. Also the hardest golf course I've ever played in my entire life. So very excited to watch what the pros can do with it. TBC Harding Park, par 70, measures uh, 7240 that they can, from the tips this week, move all the way to 7500. So just like last week, we have another long uh, par 70 course. Uh, there isn't a ton of data on Harding Park. It, it was played as a consistent tour stop up until about the 80s, and then because it's a you know it's a local muni owned by the city, it kind of uh, fell apart until some renos uh, in 2003 got it back in in playing shape. So we we don't have a ton of information to go off of previously, being that the last two tournaments here were at WGC in 2015, where Rory edged out Gary Woodland. And then we got the famous Tiger Woods club twirl uh, in the 2009 President's Cup. 
Uh, and I'm glad Hash sent that video out because I had been watching it earlier that day. It's, it's, like a, it's a thing of beauty to watch. The course contains two par fives, both 560 plus yards. Uh, we have two, four very long par threes, including one mammoth that they can, from the tips, play at 251, which is just like absolutely insane to me uh, that, that I'd have to pull out a three wood to play you know, a par three that they might have set up this week, which is pretty fun. Uh, seven of the par fours measure 450 plus, uh, along with two potentially drivable par fours, depending on the tee boxes. Uh, so I think the course is, is going to be really interesting. It's going to offer opportunities for guys to play a lot of different ways off the tees and make a lot of different decisions. Uh, given that this is a PGA Championship, the fairways will be skinny, the rough will be long and thick, and the greens will basically be concrete. Uh, I can attest to the thick, rough, and thin fairways, and I'm sure it's only worse you know, since I was there in November as they, they've gotten ready for this. And for weather this week, we'll get a typical San Francisco summer, 65 degrees every day, dewy and foggy in the morning, which will probably keep greens more manageable than usual, but they'll dry out by the end of each day. Uh, and probably coming off Lake Merced, expect double-digit wins in, in each round this week. Awesome. So for me, the key stats this week are, I think, first and foremost, you're going to have to be good off the tee, both in terms of strokes gained off the tee but as well as driving accuracy because I saw like some pictures posted of some guys who played I think about a month ago before they shut the course down to to you know make it pristine and the rough was already you know inches inches thick off of the fairway you know about three or four feet off the fairway so if you're not amazingly accurate you're going to get punished but I think still being good just off the tee in general is something that uh, can overcome some of that stuff. So with that, I'm looking also to pair that with bogey avoidance. In addition, because it's a par 70 course, we're going to look at par 4 scoring. Uh, however, in particular for this course, because almost uh, what seven, 7 of the uh, par 4s are 450 and above or 460 and above. Yeah, uh, they're, they're 4 the, very long. So the par 4, 450 to 500 efficiency is going to be up there for me. And as well as last weekend, I think this kind of bore out as something that was important for us is that the betting market numbers provided an avenue of success. Uh, both uh, Scheffler, Palmer, and Revy, who were all much lower in odds compared to where they were relative to all the other people around them, all did pretty well. So I think that's something we can look at again. Yeah, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. Uh, strokes gained off the tee with a heavier focus and driving accuracy, I, I think is where, where you want to be. Um, this week, I also think your iron game is going to have to be incredibly on point this week because I, I think these fairways or these these greens will play hard. Uh, they're going to play fast. They're going to play tough. So you're going to have to hit very good approach shots to hold them in general, and especially if you have to play from out of the rough at all. I also have you know 450 to 500 as, as a stat I'm going to look at, and then I I have included play around the greens, being that the the fairways are so. Then, and I think this probably relates to your bogey avoidance, right? I, I think they, these are going to be tough greens to hit and hold this week. And the rough around the greens is very, very thick this week. So it's, it's going to be difficult to play from. So I think we want guys that can, can play really well from those spots. And I, I really like the, the betting odds because I found a few of those that very much differ from the guys around them and from their DraftKings prices. So it'll be fun to talk about that as we go. I didn't include it in the model, but I like that you brought it up. It's a, it's a really good uh, stat, I think, to look at this week. Got anything to add, Hatch? Yeah, again, agree with y'all. Driving accuracy, fairway percentage is going to be huge this week. I know they were talking about on a couple of these par fours, we're seeing huge dog legs, so 
people are going to have to put it in the fairway. People are going to have to try to keep it clean. Um, but one thing I did look at just because I think we're going to see um, a lot of people taking safer routes or safe shots on, on tougher holes. I wanted to look at birdie or better from the rough because I think we're going to see a couple players, um, especially the longer ones, trying to cut fairways or get close. Um, so I wanted to see, all right, you know, if they if they miss the fairway and they're in the rough, how well they're, are, are they doing scrambling from there? So I did look at birdie or better from the rough as well as kind of that approach shot, you know, 150 to 175, 175 to 200 from fairway and from rough. I think that's a good point because I think you, you've talked about it specifically before on other courses, Slaughter, where you said that it's it's a thinking course. And I, th- I think that fits really, really well this week. I think guys that think their way around the course and, and play to positions that give themselves smarter shots uh, are going to are gonna go really well. And, and to Hatch's point about, you know, a lot of dog legs, this is going to favor right-handed golfers that, that, that are really comfortable turning the ball over because most of these most of these holes dog leg right to left if my memory serves me correctly because i remember i had just started hitting a draw and wished i had not got rid of my cut as a left-hander when i started when i when i played there because it would have served me a lot better so so i think i think guys that like to shape the ball a specific way you know you know dj likes to hit a fade brooks likes to hit a fade they're going to be challenged this week where i think maybe it favors a guy like justin thomas who can shape it both ways or rory who likes to continuously hit that high draw so i think i think the course will favor some guys over others yeah so you're saying it's above a track <laughs> no it's not above a track this is i wish it was above a track this is no pga setup is above a track absolutely not uh, so so this weekend the, the pricing is a little wild on DraftKings. so what i'm going to do is we'll continue with the there's five guys at uh, ten thousand or above we'll keep it like that and then for the second set of grouping We'll go from the 10,000 all the way down to 8,000 because there's only a handful more guys than, than normal. And then we'll just do leave the 7,000s as its own kind of range because there's a lot of people stacked in that range. And then we'll go below. Seem fair? That seems like Let's a good plan to me. All right. So 10,000 above, we have Justin Thomas at 11.3, Brooks at 11.1, Rory at 10.7, Rom 10.5, DeChambeau 10.3, and Xander at 10 even. Uh, it's an interesting group in the sense that, I mean, obviously it's the best players in the world, but I thought the pricing was the most interesting thing because there's no one that's ridiculously expensive. Whereas, you know, Justin Thomas, I think this course fits him like a glove. Uh, he's obviously in the best form of all these guys. And I, he could have been 12,000 and I think that still would have been a fair price. Yeah, I, th- I think you get JT at a really good value this week. My guys like are, are in this range are JT, just because I think this is a place you're going to have to gain strokes in all all categories across the board, and JT's proven to be the guy that can consistently do that, especially like Hash mentioned. He's completely turned around his, his putting this year. That was kind of his Achilles heel going into this year, and it's become, you know, some tournaments it's been a strength, but it's never really hurt him a ton. Uh, the other guy I like, and maybe I'm thinking more with, with my heart than my head because I want him to go out and win this week, is Rory, but I think... His price is depressed from where we would normally get a Rory price going into a major. And I think it's because he's he's not put all facets of his game together. And I, I do think, despite the fact that I think Justin Thomas is the best, most consistent player in the world, when everything's clicking, I still think Rory has the most talent. And so getting him at the third most expensive in a major is, is very attractive to me. Yeah, I think my favorite play is going to be Rom, actually. 
Um, and that's because, uh, well, I think, I think JT is, is definitely my favorite play. But if I'm not going to go with JT, I think I'm going to go with Rom or Xander because Rom provides awesome off the tee. I mean, to me, he, at this particular moment, I think he is the best off the tee player just because of DeChambeau's accuracy. Not that he's completely inaccurate, but he's just a lot less accurate than Rom. That scares me. I know Rom was missing all over the place last weekend, and so that kind of you know can scare me a little bit. But I like his consistency consistency for the most part. And he's 20th in the par four, 450 to 500 range, eighth in bogey avoidance. Driving accuracy is near the top and is the best of the top guys. So I think that I think I trust him to stay in the fairways, and I trust him to not make the big mistakes. And he can ca- and he can capitalize on the longer par four. So I, I think also, Rom is my favorite play. Rom also grinds, right? When he's struggling, you know he's going to work to make par, and mm-hmm. I think that's very valuable. I, no, absolutely, I agree with that. Rom was was my guy, um, kind of going into this. I, I've been doing some prep for about a week and a half, and Rom was my guy. But I've actually changed. If you force me right now to pick someone in this in this ten thousand plus range, I'm going with Xander. Xander has continually shown us over the last two years he's one and a half strokes better than his average round when he gets into a major, um, which is I think like third. Yeah, he. I mean he's absolutely insane. He gets in these majors and he just plays so much better than he than he does in an average tournament. Not quite to the Brooks level, but um, still he 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 steps it up in big tournaments and he's he's had some great finishes recently. So I'm going with Xander out of the out of the out of the big guys. I. I... I've seen some interesting things with Xander recently, trends and rounds, where he, his, like, best is phenomenal, but he also tends to, like, have, occasionally just have a round where he blows up. Do you think what what he showed us over the last couple rounds at, at the WGC was enough to kind of instill that confidence that he's, he's, he's not going to have that blow-up round here? Uh, I, I do. Um, you know, I think when you when you look at his rounds in the WGC um, and even just kind of over the last three or four tournaments, it seems like he's cleaned up any of the the doubles or triples that he's had. You know, he may not he he may not be as consistently you know hitting birdies every hole, but he he's cleaned up the bad hole, um, which I think is obviously when you get into a major that you know that one hole is what kills you in a major because it's so hard to make up strokes over the rest of it. Also interesting to note, Xander's sixth in bogey avoidance. And fourth and par four scoring. So, I mean, he definitely has the tools to really do well uh, on this course. And he's just a smidge behind Rom in terms of his off the tee play. And he's just a little less accurate. So I think I think Xander is a great play. I think he's a solid play. No, absolutely. And, and that bogey avoidance is really what I like about him. Like I said, he's cleaned up the, the bad hole. You know, he, he seems to be a little bit more consistent and, you know, really taking his time on the course. I was trying to talk myself into Xander yesterday and this morning, and, and we may we may be doing it. Right <laughs> I mean, awesome. it's it's always tough well, when you there... have like a when you have a twenty one year old kid. I mean, how do you trust him in a major? I think this is going to be his ninth major start, and you know, trusting someone to win a major in their ninth start, unless they're Tiger Woods, is a little big. But I mean, you, you're right. Xander shows up whenever when, when the big names are there. He, he shows up in WGCs. He's shown up in majors. And, and yep. there's no reason to think he's not going to do it again this week. Absolutely. As far as so, you know, Brooks is definitely a divisive person here. I mean, his strokes gained approach game has been awesome. His putting has been terrible. So that means, you know, there's a lot of room for improvement for him. But, you know, he has he hasn't actually gained strokes putting in a long time. So I'm not even sure that 
I trust him to do it, but I mean, do you think he's worth it as the second most expensive golfer on, on this slate? I, I, my personal opinion is that if Brooks is priced second based off of the fact that he's going for a three-peat and he cares about majors. I, I don't think he's earned that price with this play. I mean, he, he was fine last week, but he wasn't fine enough to go from 9,100 to the second most expensive person on DraftKings. Like, I, I just don't see that. Uh, and I haven't seen consistent enough play from Brooks Kepka to tell me he's he's going to win this tournament. Um, so I, I don't think he's earned that pricing. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, I, I do, not to jump ahead, I do have a prop bet of Brooks getting a top five this week just because he does play so well in majors. And I think, you know, given the circumstances, he's going to find a way to put himself into contention come Sunday. But what I have not seen from Brooks this year is he has not put four consecutive rounds together. Uh, you know, exactly, yeah. he he'll he'll have a round like I I think even in the WGC he had a round where he gained two strokes putting, but then his his drives were off. Or he'll have a round where he gains you know three four strokes driving, but then his putting is just awful. I mean I haven't seen it just all together like we have. And not that he's concerned. He said his left knee is fine, but until uh, you know until I hear otherwise, anytime you are getting MRIs on your knee, I mean that's a that's a huge concern for me. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with the knee thing as well. Just, I, I think he may be interesting. I'll be interested to see where his ownership ends up. It may be lower because of the huge price jump, or it, people may be jumping on the bandwagon because his, of course, his finished first, first, 13th, 4th, and 5th over the last five years, which is absolutely outrageous. Moving on to the next section of guys, so starting with Webb at 9,700, all the way down to Terrell Hatton at 8,000. I think, you know, again, same with last week. I feel this. I feel like this is where the tournament's going to be won, picking the right guys out of here. A lot of, you know, a lot of people who went with Brooks last weekend were rewarded, despite the fact with the low ownership, and that really made their weekends. Uh, I think we can have some guys here that have some winning equity, what is your favorite? Uh, what, is your, what is you guys' favorite plays uh, out of this section? So my pick for the tournament, uh, the guy I think wins is in the section, uh, and I'll will save him for a second. So one of the guys I like, I will say, is Daniel Berger. Um, we've kind of mentioned it a couple times on this podcast. He's just been incredibly good lately. I think James mentioned he is has what did you say earlier? One finish outside the top ten since Phoenix Open, which I mean that's crazy. It's, it's absurd. Yeah, so he has been very good. I think putting him on your DraftKings lineup is just an absolute recipe for success. Uh, so I, I want to give a shout out to him. But my guy that I'm picking this week that I think is going to win is Webb Simpson. He's he's you know top in accuracy. He's he's very consistent. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. And as we mentioned earlier, it's a thinking course. Uh, I think he's going to think a way around this. He's been very good this year. He he hits a draw off the tee. Um, I think I think everything just sets up so well for him. And his game has been very good lately. That yeah, he's my pick. Yeah, I will I will echo both those. They are the two guys I have written down uh, for my first two favorites out of this group. Berger. You look at all the strokes gain statistics, he's in top 50 in every single one of them. And I think you're going to have to gain strokes everywhere to play really well here. Um, same with Webb Simpson. He's not quite as highly rated off the tee because he doesn't have the distance of other guys, but he's unbelievably accurate. There's probably nobody on tour right now I trust more with a long club in their hand, so his lack of distance doesn't really bother me. Uh, his five wood. Uh, is his favorite club in the bag. So anytime you have a club like that that you know you can go to in those situations, I love love. And my just, yeah, I, I miss the fans. Maybe I miss them a little more this week because I could be there. But my favorite part of 
not having fans since we've come back has been the conversation between Webb Simpson and his caddy. I find it incredibly interesting every time that you know the microphone's on them in the fairway. It's usually a two, three minute conversation. They come up with a number, Webb goes out and executes the shot. And it's, it's been an absolute joy for me to get to watch that. The other guy I will throw in here that I really, really love this week, and he's going to be somebody I, I make a bet on to win the tournament, uh, is Colin Morikawa. And I know we talked about nine starts not being enough, but I feel like Morikawa has all the tools required to go out and win this tournament. Uh, he's long enough off the tee. Last week he was second in fairway accuracy. He's the best iron player on tour this year. And, and I... I don't. He, he plays above his age, right? He he went out last week and just grinded his way to a top twenty finish. And while I also think Hovland is extremely talented, he's going to win majors before it's all said and done. He showed his age last week, right? He kept trying to beat down a golf course that you couldn't really do that. And and I think Morikawa can, can think his way around a course and, and grind through uh, very well this week. And and a course that really fits him. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you brought up that comparison because I, I was going to bring it up if you didn't. Uh, the difference between Morikawa and Hovland. I think Hovland, stat-wise, rates out a little better, but I, I agree. I think Morikawa is definitely more suited to play a course with his head as opposed to just trying to outdrive it and overpower it. So I definitely agree with that. I, I, that's why I like Morikawa a lot. I, I, I looked at Hovland, but I ultimately don't think I'm going to have him in my lineups. Despite, I think both of them may be fairly popular because they're getting about a thousand dollar decrease in price, and I don't really think Morikawa was, was all that justified, to be honest. So uh, that's pretty. I, I will say, with, with Hovland, I do think that his poor driving was an anomaly. This is a guy who, despite his like decent length, usually hits fairways at an extremely high rate. Even after last week, he's still in like the top forty-five for fairway. You know, percentage. So I think that was more of an anomaly, but it definitely showed a, a flaw in his thinking that I think you can't have right now in a course like this winning a major yet. Well, I think it had to more do with more comfort level than, than talent. And sure, he was sure. obviously uncomfortable with what the course was making him do or, you know, something like that. So I think that that's all said and done. Berger, I love the play. Webb, you know, the only thing you worry about is that he's just not going to gain strokes off the tee, but he fits this in every other... He's first in par four scoring, first in the par fours, 450 to 500. I, you know, I talked about Day a little bit. I'll definitely have some of him in my lineups. I think one guy that's pretty interesting in that he doesn't quite uh, fit the mold here, but he, uh, in terms of, I guess, like his stat profile, but I think that he will play well is Matthew Fitzpatrick, and we're getting a really giant price reduction for him all the way down to 8,100. This is a guy that keeps it in the fairway. Uh, his approach game is somewhat questionable, but... He makes up for it with, you know, his putting and his around the green game. So I kind of like Matthew Fitzpatrick at, at, at a low price, and I'll probably be playing him a little bit. The one guy that I wanted to kind of get y'all's take on was uh, this. He, I, when I was like kind of like creating my lineups or whatever, and I kept falling in this range with needing uh, the last guy was Patrick Cantlay. It, it's like 9,400. I feel like he's going to be immensely popular, um, but I just his accuracy and and lately has just been all over the place, and I don't know if I can trust it. I, I looked at Cantlay a lot because I, I really <coughs> wanted to play Cantlay at that kind of price. And, I mean, his last two rounds at the WGC, he shot up the leaderboard. Now, unfortunately, he shot up from basically dead last. But he did it because his off-the-tee game, he kind of he, he finally got it figured out, right? His 
he gained a bunch of strokes off the tee, which is something he hasn't been able, you know, to to do since since we've come back from from the start. So I like Patrick Cantlay, but like you said, I'm a little nervous because I think his ownership is going to be through the roof. But I, I, I am. I do find it a little bit more promising because I think he's figured some things out off the tee. Yeah, I mean, I think the 9400 price point is good, but again, I'm with y'all. I think the ownership is going to be a concern. The accuracy has scared me a lot of this year, but and, it's, and going into this week, it's going to be even tougher. Uh, I don't think it's a bad pick, but I do want to echo Slaughter that Matthew Fitzpatrick is one of my picks this week. Um, I think he, he sets up very well for this course. Like you said, his putting is, is one of the top on the tour, and he's very accurate. I'm taking a, a prop bet on him to... He's at plus 900 right now for a top five finish, which I think is just a wonderful prop bet. So that's going to be one of the ones I'm making. Yeah, I like, I'm, I'm kind of high on Fitzpatrick, too. He's, he's also in really great form right now. He's been he playing is. really solid since since the last three, four tournaments he's been in. So I like Matthew Fitzpatrick. Yeah, he's uh, he's got an eighth and a third and a 27th in his last three. So that's uh, that's definitely really good. Um, Any, anybody you really don't want to play in this space? that you're just looking to avoid from the, you know, 10,000, 8,000 range? Yeah, I'm, I'm, is, is there anyone, I mean, like, I, I talked about not playing Hovland. I think I'm going to scratch him off my list. I don't know that DJ's game really fits this type of course, although, I mean, he obviously has the talent to do well, but his driving accuracy definitely scares me, and I think he's not really someone that grinds, like we talked about with Rom uh, or someone like that, so that worries me as well. Those are the two guys I had for sure. I mean, Hatch, I know you're a big Tiger guy, and we haven't talked about him at all. So, like, what do you think about Tiger coming into this? I mean, I feel like he might be pretty popular because of his price, but he does provide plenty of upside. So I do think he's at an absolute great price. Um, he's not at the point where I would fade him, uh, but I am not necessarily picking him this week. One of the things with Tiger, obviously, at this stage in his career, it's just such an unknown. We have no clue whether the back's going to hold up all four days. We have no clue what he's like coming off of, what is it now, coming off of like a month rest. Um, so it's just, it's so tough to predict. One thing I will say that gives me a little confidence in Tiger this week, his last win came at the Zozo in Japan. At the Zozo in Japan, it was a course that sets up very similar to this. It was about 65 degrees all week, and he was coming off a three-month layoff. And and he put it all together to win that tournament. So, you know, similar circumstances coming into this tournament. He obviously is very familiar with TPC Harding Park. In 2009, he went 5-0 and in the President's Cup. So, you know, he obviously loves this course, and he sets up well for it. It's just, it's going to be, can the back hold up for four days? Yeah, I think as, as far as, like, the guys we actually can look at with some amount of course history, Tigers is phenomenal. He was oh, incredible yeah. in that President's Cup. Anytime he's played here in a tournament, he's played really well. It's just it's just the unknown. You Like, you know, he took three months off, came, comes back, wins a Zozo, takes three months off, and then barely makes a cut at the Memorial, because and, and his back was hurting, and you could tell he was kind of laboring. So you just don't know. Which is, you know, you could get a winner at 9,200, you could get a top five at 9,200, and you could get, you know, a 65 place. And so it's, it's just tough to, to gauge. I want Tiger to perform well because it's, you know, it's really fun to watch when he's locked in and, and, get, and competing with the younger guys because you can tell they enjoy it too. Um, so I hope he plays well. I, I just don't know that he's solid enough or, or I feel enough confidence to play him on DraftKings. 
Maybe a yeah. bet on Tiger is the way to go. Yeah, I think that's the right way. One other player I will mention in this price range that I just I don't really ever pick, but again, Hideki, you know, he's got all the talent in the world. Um, he's you know he's one of the most talented, just pure talent players in in the game. But until he actually shows me that he can do it in a tournament, you know, I'm just gonna keep keep avoiding him. Yeah, Hideki's my my well, I guess probably Dustin Johnson is my fade this week uh, at a higher price point just because he his blowups recently. I mean, he played really. He's finished what twelfth last weekend, but on the final day, he had six six bogeys and a triple or something like that. So it, he still has the big hole in him. You know, at three M, he wasn't going to make the cut anyways, but he still made the nine. Yeah. And so I think that's something you have to avoid here. And then I agree on Hideki. I'm not going to be playing him, and it's not because he doesn't have the talent, but a lot of his game he has predicated from just like elite iron play from the rough. He's like 116th in, in fairways hit. And I just don't think you can win like that this week. Despite the fact that he, he, he had a pretty solid weekend last week, and I was pretty high on him last week, I, I just don't think I can be again this week. I agree. I think one of the things with Hideki, honestly, is that it, it depends on what type of lineup you're building. I think if you're going for more of a balanced build and Hideki's like your fifth guy, then I think that is fine because I just don't think that he provides the winning upside that you need from someone in this range if you're going to pick a guy at the top. Like, I don't think he can be your third guy uh, in well, a what, lineup. What kind of lineup are you playing where Hideki is your fifth guy? Like, are, are we are we starting our lineup with, like... You could start with Cantley and probably do, like, Cantley, Morikawa, Berger, Day, Matsuyama, and then you'd pick, like, a 6,500 guy. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. That's actually... That's, I'm interested. But otherwise, I'm not really too interested in Hideki. Moving on to the uh, the lower range here, the 7,000. I mean, this, this is absolutely stacked. And we have guys with a ton of talent at the top of this range and some interesting guys down at the bottom. You know, my favorite play at the top end is Answer because of his ability to keep the ball in the fairway. Uh, he doesn't score well on the par 4, 450 to 500. He's only 84th in that. That's pretty much the only thing that's bad about him in my opinion on this and his form his recent form isn't isn't awful i don't understand why he's now dropped 700 points for going 13th and 30th in his last two tournaments maybe i'm just weird so i i like him and then in the bottom range i like two guys Corey connor's right at the 7,000 mark uh he's elite 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 accuracy strikes game strikes game approach strokes it off the tee 31st and par fours 450 to 500 um, he just doesn't avoid bogeys very great, um, and his par four scoring in general is so-so, but I, I like what he brings to the table for someone at 7,000. And then Harris English is green all the way across my board, uh, gained strokes in all the key stats, eighth in par four scoring, 12th in par four, 450 to 500, first in bogey avoidance. I think he's definitely a safe play if you're looking for that. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off by agreeing with you on answer. He's probably my favorite play from this, this space. I don't know why his prices dropped so low. I mean, he had one bad day. It was a really bad day. He shot a 75, but he was just incredible the rest of the tournament. And so I'm not sure why he, why he dropped. Uh, another guy I, I like, and I don't like myself for this, uh, I, I like Jordan Spieth this week. Um, <laughs> last two tourneys he's played have probably been his best two of the season, just completely across the board. And he struggled putting last week, which is usually where he's good and still had a solid finish. And he, he's not been, I mean, we know he's not been great over the last three years, but in the last three PGA Championships, 
3rd, 12th, and 28th. I think that's solid for the price you're paying for Jordan Spieth, and that shows there's some win equity there. And I think that's because, you know, PGA Championships are set up to be difficult and brutal, and Jordan Spieth does that to himself on a weekly basis. So he's just, you know, he's just ready for it. This is just another week for Jordy. A couple other names I like. Uh, I I'm going to go back to the well with Ches Reedy. He's been playing really, really solid golf. He's a guy who's going to hit a lot of fairways, and another guy that... Uh, Despite his struggles with them early in the year, we've, we've talked about, you know, past years as a really solid long iron player, and he's, he's picked up on that uh, again this week. And then I 100% agree with you on Corey Connors. He is, you know, my cheap guy. I'm going to be looking to round out a lot of lineups with. And I, not that I think he has a ton of win equity, but I think he's not going to completely screw your lineups over this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to echo y'all. Corey Connors, I think, is just the guy in this range that is just great value, good pick for the course, you know, a lead off the tee, so... He's definitely in my in my selection. Um, I think Fee now dropping to 7900 is an interesting pick. I'm not sure I trust him enough to be accurate, but one of the things is he's top 10 in approaches from the rough uh, to the green, so I think that's obviously going to make up for a lot of his his accuracy problems. So I think Fee now is a very interesting pick. Um, not enough that I. I, I'm necessarily going with him, but I, I do like him. The other one in a very similar vein to Finau is Scotty Scheffler. Tenth in, in strokes gained off the tee, so so driving it really well. Um, his approach is, is lacking, but he's also had a top 22 at the Memorial and a top 15 at the WGC Memphis. So clearly, you know, he's figured something out and can play with these bigger guys. Um, so I think he's, he's a good value uh, at 7,300. Yeah, Scotty Scheffler is one of the guys where you look at the betting market and it prices him way different than everyone else is around him. I think he's like 60, 63 to 1 or something like that. And I think it's because Scotty Scheffler has higher top-end talent than yeah. the guys around him. He just hasn't always shown it. Uh, and I think part of it was just, you know, his injury coming back and that sort of stuff. Uh, I have two, two guys I'm curious about that I have some thoughts on, but I'd like to get your guys' thoughts on them as well. Adam Scott, unknown commodity, but probably the prettiest swing most like technically correct swing in golf it's like a clay jump clay thompson jump shot right like so he hasn't played but you know in, in what two out of his last five starts he had he had wins around the world which is great and then another guy that i like to get, see what you guys think he struggled a little bit the last couple weeks but he tends to play better in, in lower scoring tougher tournaments uh tommy fleetwood what, do you, what are your thoughts there on those two guys yeah i mean adam scott i i don't mind playing i just you know, it's just a complete unknown with with what to expect from him considering it's his first one back. You know, I don't know what his ownership is going to be. I mean, I think for the price, you're getting someone who, uh, in theory, you know, does well. Now, he's not amazingly accurate off the tee historically, so I think that's kind of like one problem. But he's been accurate this year to date. So, and the putting on this, on this you know, he can really get hot with the putter too. Uh, so I, I don't I don't mind that play at all. It's just not something I don't know if I'd go heavy on, just given you know uh, that we haven't seen him play. And then who was the other person you said? Fleetwood. Fleetwood. <laughs> Fleetwood. Man, see, I thought I I, I felt <laughs> I, feel I felt like that's all I needed to know. All right. I felt, well, I felt better about him going into last weekend, and then last weekend he just did awful. And so and it wasn't. I mean, he wasn't. He didn't gain strokes. Uh, you know, across the board. And so, you know, it wasn't like in the 3M where he just kind of, you know, he messed up on a hole and didn't gain strokes putting, but generally was good. Uh, you know, that last weekend was not that case. So um, I know he had a pretty good Sunday, uh, but I don't know if that is enough to encourage me as someone that will make a, a staple part of my lineup. So I'm going to I'm gonna go opposite of, of Slaughter here. I, I am not in love with Scott 
this week. Um, I just he he is not great off the tee. Um, I don't even think he's top hundred in strokes gained off the tee, and I just I can't trust him, uh, especially coming off a layoff. You know, quarantining here in the United States to to play. I do like Fleetwood. I don't know why, because none of the stats actually pop out at you. Uh, 53rd strokes gained off the tee, 50th approach the green. So, I mean, nothing really that pops out at you, but I, I like him. Uh, his game, I think, sets up well for this week. He's consistently shown at the PGA. Um, I think he has three top fives in the last four years at the PGA, which, you know, absolutely great. And, yeah, I Fleetwood's one of the guys I'm, I'm watching this week. I feel the same way about Fleetwood, and I don't know why. Like, I, I just think he's going to play really well, and none of it really makes sense to me. No. Uh, one thing I will mention, the average... So, it takes a player, on average, 23 starts to win their first major, and that's right about what Fleetwood's at. I think this is his 20th start in a major. So, he's right at the point where you start seeing guys break into into major wins. You heard it here on In the Back first. Tommy Fleetwood going to break through and get a major this week. Yeah, the last guy I'll I'll go with uh, in this range that I think maybe underpriced again is Sung J M, who played pretty well last weekend. Um, is good off the tee, is good on approach, and is accurate. Doesn't quite lost, have the part. He, he lost strokes approach again last week though, which is just really concerning for me. Yeah, was that all in? Was that all on first day? <laughs> or, uh, no, Sung J M in his four rounds lost. 0. 0.08, 1.34, 0.05, and 3.93 strokes approach. He lost it in all four rounds. Wow. So how did it, just, that's that's kind of interesting. He did so well then. Well, he gained he gained 3.22, 1.6, 2.81, and 0. 0.38 strokes putting. Ah, okay. So it's just hot with the putter. Yeah. So okay. Well, that's enough for me to knock him off my list. <laughs> Sorry, I just I, I, I wanted to play Sung Jay this week, but this is like six straight tournaments. This is everything but Charles Schwab since we've been back. He's lost strokes with the iron, so it's it's now past like a blip and this is a trend and something that concerns me about Sung Jay's game. As much as I like the guy, I really want him to play well. Do do we wanna give some like low, low guys that we like, like down in the sixty five hundred range here? Are we ready to, to jump down into that? Yeah, I have I have four guys that are below seven thousand that I think are pretty interesting that I'll be looking at. Okay. First is Doc Redman, who is pretty much green across the board for me. Uh, gain strokes Absolutely. off the tee, gain strokes approach. Is one of the most accurate guys in this field. Uh, 19th in par five, par four scoring. 40th in the par four, 450 to 500, and 48th in bogey avoidance. I mean, that's all green. Uh, Adam Adam Long is someone who uh, played pretty well at the 3M, mm-hmm. and he's been gaining strokes on approach. Very accurate off the tee. 19th in par four scoring. 40th and par 4, 450 to 500. Um, another guy that I think is honestly just uh, just valuable for how he's been playing this year, and I think this is honestly just, it's wild to me that he's this low as Harold Varner. I know that he, his last two tournaments he did not play well, um, but he played six straight tournaments in a row, and I think he was just tired. And so he's taken two weeks off. I think he has the ability to get back on track. Uh, you know, he's awesome off the tee. He's been awesome on his approach shots. His, the other things aren't exactly where I want it to be, but I trust his accuracy and his off-the-tee game in order to uh, make up for some of those. And then my last one is Nick Taylor, who gains strokes off the tee, gains strokes on approach, is very accurate off the tee, and avoids bogeys. So I think he's, for 6,300, I think he's kind of like a safe play. 
Yeah, so Harold Varner, also, we have to think about the fact that he was in the final group with Brooks last week, last year at the PGA at Bethpage, right? And so this is a course that sets up pretty similar to, to, to Bethpage Black. Um, and I know he blew up on Sunday, but he was playing really, really good golf before that. I think he's it, just based on that fact, he should be you know somewhere around 7,200 because uh, he played so well last year. And I, I don't put as much stock into the last two bad tournaments. Uh, another guy I think is similarly priced to him, has not played well this year, but has really good history in PGA Championships. Jason Kokrak, he, he's finished like top 25, top 30 in the last three years uh, at PGAs. So I, I like that. Um, as a play and outside of that I'm not in love with too many really really cheap guys you know I'm a big Doc Redman guy um, Joel Damon was great for three weeks last year and gave us a great hot mic on a bad shot on a part <laughs> like four. He, he just like he just like effed everybody uh, who was standing around yeah I, I think he's a, he's a solid play as well he's an incredible ball striker very accurate off the tee as well and then I you mentioned him earlier I don't remember if you said him in your four guys Ryan Palmer's played you know back-to-back -back great tournaments uh, he's a really good driver of the golf ball not always super accurate but when he is he, he gives himself a, gives himself a lot of birdie looks and I think that's very valuable for $6,900 yeah so Ryan Palmer I I didn't mention him I think like this is just a feeling um, in addition to the fact he's just not a great par four player um, so I'm just choosing this weekend to jump off of him despite the fact that he has oh, been really love good it. we're back <laughs> to the heart slaughter I love it <laughs> I want to echo Doc Redman. Um, I think he's a very good value, and as Slaughter mentioned, he's positives in all the stroke game categories. Um, I, I think he probably has a top 25 finish this week. I think I even prop betted him on a top... Yeah, I actually have him at a top 10 prop bet for plus 2,500 because, you know, I like throwing away money. But I, I do like him this week, and I, I, I think he's going to be very good. Um, I also want to give a shout-out to Jim Furyk because he is the most accurate driver on the tour this year, even though he hasn't played a ton of rounds. And he just came off of winning his debut at the uh, Champions know. Tour. He just won his debut at the Champions Tour, so I think he's obviously got good form. He's probably feeling good, and and I like him this week, even just uh, as part of the DraftKings lineup. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. I, I, I just I don't know why, but I'm just stuck on the fact that he's coming off of a win. I kind of like Warinski for the same reason. You know, he's coming off a, t a tie for third, a win, and then coming into this, like he got to have some sort of confidence. Maybe he's not going to go win the tournament, but for seven thousand dollars, sixty five, sixty six hundred dollars. It could be, you know, a 30th place finish is, is good enough for a good week in DraftKings. Yeah. Let's so we want to build some lineups? Yeah, we could, we could do some lineups. We want to do some, some alternate builds? We, we, should, we should give Hash the first pick this week, right, since we got the guests. So if you were, if you were going to build a, a DK lineup, Hash, where would you start? All right, if I'm, if I'm building a DK lineup, first guy I'm taking is Xander. Okay. Slaughter, where are you going next? Let's go with Harris English. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Colin Morikawa. I feel I feel really good about him this week. So Hatch, we're back on you. We got eight thousand over the next three players on average that we can work with here. Uh, let's go. I'm, I'm gonna go with Scotty Scheffler. Xander Morikawa. We got eighty four fifty to split up over our last two slaughter. Okay, English and Scheffler. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, I. Well, let's go with Connors then. I'll let you go. I'll let you get a top end guy. Yes, yeah, so I was actually planning on you taking the top end guy, and I was going to take Connors. But yeah, there's there's no doubt we're we're going we're going Webb now. I I like this lineup quite a bit. Shuffler, Connors, English, Morikawa, Shoffley, and Webb. 
That's a lineup I'd play. Absolutely. I just hit update on my millionaire maker single entry, so we're gonna we're gonna roll with that for now unless I change my mind. I like it. Yeah, onto the betting market here, guys. There's some again, there's some pretty interesting discrepancies, and uh, you know, a couple of these really confirm I think what we were all thinking uh, moving into this, and then there's a couple surprises. Um, just a couple that jump out at me real quick in terms of the difference in the DraftKings prices and where they're laying here is Morikawa is 28 to 1, which is higher than Webb, Tiger, uh, it's on par with Cantlay, uh, and I mean, he's like the 8th or ninth highest guy, and he's twice, he's uh, half the odds of Hovland, so I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, Day also at 29 to 1, despite only be 8, yeah. despite his $8,400 is right in the that same boat. That was wild to me. Yeah, so I mean that's a that's a pretty big jump. I think Xander being thirteen to one, uh, higher than DeChambeau, higher than DJ, on par with Rom, and half of that of Cantlay is pretty is pretty good or is pretty interesting. It makes me really think that uh, that Xander is a good play. Um, and then there's other guys who are kind of going the opposite way here. You got Terrell Hatton at 81 to one, and uh, you know. They just obviously don't think that he has the win equity that we might have done. Daniel Berger's at forty to one, despite being in the it, that eighty-eight hundred range, and then Tiger's only thirty-six to one, and despite being ninety-two. So I think there are definitely some guys up there who uh, there's some pretty big differentiations uh, in their pricing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that the top two guys are, are correct, right? You know, Rory's actually moved up a little bit even since I looked this morning. He was at like nine point two to one, and now he's at ten to one. Uh, and Justin Thomas has gone down a little bit. He was like 8.9, he's 8.75 now. But I think the top two guys are right. I think the, the the book is right on Bryson right now. I don't think he's you know one of the top four or five guys uh, for me that's in contention. Yeah, this is why part of the reason that I got so high on Morikawa, just seeing these odds for him and also seeing the odds for Day, right? Those those are similar like level jumps. And, and Ricky the same way. He's also at 36 to 1 right now despite being pretty low priced. You know, better than Berger, who's at 8,800. What that tells me is I think, you know, Vegas or your, your book says, hey, these guys have better win equity. I'd be interested to see, and they don't have it yet on Bookmaker, where the, like, you know, somebody like Hatton or Berger is for a top 10 finish. Because I imagine that their odds probably even out more to DK pricing when that happens. But yeah, uh, I mean, answers at 62 despite his lower price. There, there are a lot of guys here that I. I think Gary Woodland's the one guy that I think is way too high. He's someone I don't particularly like this week just because his off-the-tee games has not been great, even though I think the course really fits him. I don't think his form fits what he's walking into. Then the 57 is a little bit high. But, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of numbers here that I really like and find interesting. Uh, I, I agree with the uh, Woodland take. He has just been off this year. His form's not great, uh, and I think he's I think he's priced way too high in the odds market. I do love Berger at 40, 41-1. It's just yeah incredible value and and he's obviously playing absolutely amazing this year webb is still my guy uh he's the guy i picked to win this tournament and i think if you can get him at 28 to 1 that's just i mean that's just an incredible bet he's at 30 to 1 right now is he he's at- actually moved back a little bit from 12 he was at 28 this morning he's at 30 on bookmaker right now yeah okay yeah i got i got him yeah, at 28 I- to 1 and i was happy to take him at that yeah i think that's a really good number as well um, and then your boy Fleetwood is also fifty-two to one, which is you know as you know it's higher than Patty Reed, higher than Finau, much higher than Hatton. So 
on par with Matthew, Matthew Fitzpatrick. So I think that's that's pretty good. You know, that's definitely like six or seven spots uh, above where he was playing. So that that may be a, a pretty good choice as well. Yeah, I genuinely think Fleetwood has win equity this week. I just think you know a, a windy hard course with lower scores where I think like you know plus four I think was the cut last year. I think we're gonna be around plus two plus three this year. I, I think these are the types of tournaments Fleetwood competes in. And, and I expect him to have a good week this week. And again, stats don't back it up. This is a gut feeling on what I think about Fleetwood and who he is as a golfer, but I, I just expect at least a top 10 from him. Yeah, so I assume that Fleetwood is probably your baby draw because he just keeps drawing you back in. No, Jordan Spieth is my baby draw this week, and I'm really mad at myself. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I think he's going to be lower owned, uh, and I, he tends to play well at PGA Championships. Again, I think... He just puts himself through the paces every single week, so he's used to it when the PGA rolls around and everybody else is like, oh, this rough sucks. He's like, man, I've been hitting out of this for three years now. So I, I speed, speed draws me in this week. Uh, I'm going to be he, – he's my guy I think to be lower on, but I think he's going to have a really solid finish. I'm going to play a decent amount of Gotcha. What about you, Hatch? Uh, for baby draw, I'm going with uh, Finau. Uh, I mentioned him a little bit earlier. I think, I think he's going to be lower owned. I think he's at a good – uh, I think he's at a good point on a DraftKings lineup. I think 45 to 1 on the odds right now is a good place to get him at. Uh, and again, I, I don't think a lot of people are looking at Fina going into this week. What about you, Slaughter? Who you got? I got to go with my boy, Jason Day. Uh, I like know, that. He's just been playing well, and I'm not ballsy enough to him for, on him to make him my Mickelson, but, uh, but I'm, I'm going to have my fair share of Day. And, um, you know, at this point, I think the only thing I'm really all that concerned about is whether his back holds up because this will be his uh, third straight tournament and uh, I think fifth and sixth week or fourth and fifth week, five weeks. So uh, that's kind of like my big concern. I'm really rooting for, for Jason Day to do this for you. I really, really want this to happen for you. You know, that's how I got into golf betting is because he won that. He won at uh, Whistling Straits. Is that really why you like got heart set on golf betting? Yeah, I, I had wow. I had him at like it. thirty-five to one or something. What a what a storybook! Love it. <laughs> what a storybook win here if Jason Day can pull this out for you. So uh, yeah. Um, All right. So on the opposite end, who who, who are you staying away from this week? Who's your absolute fave? Uh, I'm. <laughs> I'll be ballsy. Uh, Rory. I think I'm going to fade Rory. I you know I don't think that's um, any stretch of the imagination, but I think. He's going to be pretty popular because of his price, and I just his his this ball striking is is very concerning to me. And I well, this just this is the last episode of In the Backcast. You've all <laughs> you've all listened to the last episode of Slaughter and Mine's friendship has has ended over one name. <laughs> Hatch, let's see if you can keep the maybe you could be my co-host from now on. Who do you who, who are you fading this? I'll week? take it. Um, out. I mean, I'm. I'm definitely fading Bryson. I just think at 15 to one, it's way too high for where he's at in his game right now. Uh, he is he can hit it a mile, but he is not accurate, and I don't think his length is really going to help him this week. I'm also fading Cantley. I just don't think his okay. I just don't think his form is there right now, uh, and so I, I don't I don't see him I don't see him competing this week. All right. Well, Hatch is the new co-host of In the Bag. <laughs> I, my, my fade for the week, I have two guys. I, I agree on Bryson. I think he's priced too high in the betting markets. I think he's priced too high on DraftKings. 
And then uh, I'm also going to fade DJ. I just think his his propensity for the big number right now is way too high. He's just he's done it in three straight tournaments, and I don't think you can do that this week. And I think he's going to be high owned. So I think in DraftKings, that's specifically a place uh, where you can maybe get a bit of an advantage because I think people are going to see win equity, high win equity guys won multiple majors uh, at, at nine thousand dollars and and take it. So I'm going to be avoiding DJ as well. Yeah. And Who's the, your Mickelson? Oh, my Mickelson. I think I, I th- I'm. I think it's going to be Xander. I think uh, I'm sticking my okay. flag in, in Camp Xander this weekend. Um, I think he fits all the. He fits everything you need. I I like his game. I think you know, the one thing that I like about him is that his. I think he's mentally tough, where he has the ability to bounce back. Uh, I think we saw that earlier um, at the Charles Schwab. You know, whenever he was battling. Mm-hmm. Morikawa, uh, you know, for putt for putt and, you know, making putts when he ne- needed to. And I think the fact that he's really made a, one, a big weakness in his game, now a strength in terms of the bogey avoidance, I just, I just like where his game is at. So I think that's, that's where I'm going this weekend. Okay. Patch, who is your who's your Mickelson guy? Yeah, my my Mickelson pick this week. I I, I got to admit, it's 100% Homer. Uh, I am the number one Ricky fan in the world, but uh, Ricky's my Mickelson pick this week. Um, I mentioned it earlier. He he's been updating the swing change, and I, you know he's starting to put it all together. It's starting to come around. It and he's he's been in contention a couple times this year already, even if he hasn't been able to close. And I, I'd love to see him close it this week. And and you know get that yeah, get that I, first major. Come on, man, just one. I, I didn't want to I didn't want to you know start an argument earlier, but when you had him in your club down, but I I think if I would have put him anywhere, it would have been club up. Cause, I mean, he had a bad Sunday, but he was phenomenal for three rounds before that. It looked like he really had finally figured it all out, and he's had a lot of moments of sort of you know light since the return. So I I think Ricky's playing really well, and I like him at his price point in, in DraftKings for sure. I'm. I have two guys here that I'm probably going to play higher than I should. Mine's a homer pick as well. I want Rory to go out and get a win here this week. Uh, again, I think high-end talent, when, when everybody's playing their best golf, I think he's the best golfer in the world. So if he puts you know, 90 95% of that together this week, uh, I think he, he can go out and win it. So I'm going to be playing more Rory than, than my, my heart Tell, my, my brain tells me I should because my heart's making me do it. And then I think Morikawa is the other guy that I'd like super-duper talk myself into the more we've gone along. And I, I think it's a Mickelson play just for the fact that, I, he, you know, this is what, his second start in a major? He started at, at the U.S. Open, and then and then he'll be starting here. So I, I'm nervous about that, but I think Morikawa is a pretty even-keeled guy. He's got a consistent swing that, you know, he has the same shot shape every single time. So um, I like Morikawa this week. All right. Uh, anything else? I'm good. I'm just excited to have have major championship golf going into the uh, going into the FedEx Cup, followed by more major championship golf. So it'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun as we start the the big swing toward the end of the season this year. Yeah. Uh, no complaints here. Also, happy to have Hatch. We've been trying to get him to do this with us for a long time. He promised us the uh, majors, but maybe now that he's maybe now that he's experienced the enjoyment of recording it in the back podcast, we can get him around more often. I, I needed to get on, and I'm happy. I mean, majors are, are my thing, so I'm happy to be here. If I lose a bunch of money this week, you might not hear from me for a couple, though. That's all right. We can, we'll, we can deal with that. We'll bring you back. We, we, we hit, our, hit our heads in shame every now and then, too, so it, it's all good. 
That's all we have for you this week. Thanks again to Hash for being our guest. If you want to interact with the show or any of us, you can find the show on Twitter and in the backcast, Slaughter at Slaughter, myself at James Paul 4, and Hatch at Texas Hatch, well, TX Hatch, excuse me. Uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to us. Uh, happy investing to you this weekend is what's shaping up to be an exciting opening to the major season this year. We hope you'll tune in again next week so we can make sure you have the right clubs in the bag for the start of the FedEx Cup. Thanks again. Stay safe. Wait a minute, wait.